You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. Um, so first of all, sorry about last week. <laughs> I didn't have a podcast out last week and it's even late this week, obviously. Um, it, it was a weird week. Uh, bunch of personal stuff. Um, broke one of my teeth on some pretzels randomly. So I had to go get a, a crown, um, unexpectedly <laughs> and like, um, just a bunch of other crap that kind of, I was just like one of those weeks where I was just like, ah, maybe next week. <laughs> um, and then I also, we, I had recorded, uh, I have a, a podcast in the bag with, uh, Damo from permission to speak freely. And I'm having, all the technical issues, uh, Riverside, the service that I use for, um, recording those remotely just decided it didn't want to process the tracks correctly. So the video and the audio and the it's, I got to put it, I got to like do a bunch of wizardry with the audio editing to get it combined. So it's just like, that would have probably been out last week, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's inbound. Um, also with the, the chief season stuff. So like it, we're still in the midst of it. It's like the last week, I believe. Uh, I think it's 28 this pinning. Don't quote me on that. I got it in a text message from Bob. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up all this chief stuff. I promise. Of course there'll be like, uh, There'll be some stuff uh, at the end. Yeah, the 29th. So it's the last week. Um, the uh, There'll be some stuff like hot washing. Like I'll Desiree, Ariana, and I, and maybe Bob will jump on and kind of um, just decompress and, and debrief their season experience um, because they were both like I'm very interested because I know them well enough, I believe, that like I've we've done this before like Chief Bob did one with uh Jesse and Riley when they made Chief um and like but I wasn't on that one so that was that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm excited about this too because I didn't get to have that discussion that was something Bob did on his own but then um also just like and this isn't like (laughs) I think Jesse and Riley are hyper competent as well but um they're just I know Desiree and Ariana are such hyper competent leaders that it's go and they listen to the podcast so much and have talked to me so much that they went into the season with a lot more clarity on what this is and how it works um and kind of knew what was going on behind the curtain so their experience was unique in that way and i would i would argue probably more difficult because they knew those things like they had to suspend disbelief to get through it um so yeah, I'm I'm very interested to have that conversation. Like like I think them knowing what they knew from having listened to my podcast and had a bunch of discussions with me, I think it might have made it 
more difficult in many ways. I hope it enriched it too, but that's why I want to have the conversation. So that, that one will come to you. But um, I'm definitely like working on in the background, the moral uh, humility thing, which I, I'm, I got to go to some academic libraries. Um, like I have access to those through, cause I'm a student right now too. Uh, to try to find more uh, content on it or adjacent to it because it's like I just did some internet searches and all I could find was the same thing that uh, I was already sent so that TED talk but I want to do a little more research too uh, just to make sure that I'm capturing everything that I want to I guess so that'll be the next foundations Uh, and yeah there's more more fun stuff coming but I just want to let you guys know that so you don't think all this is ever going to be is chief stuff it's just tis the season you know what I mean and that's the I'm getting a ton of of people communicating with me and asking me questions about the chief season. So that's what this one's about today. Uh, I had a, a senior chief reach out to me um, and and basically has a, a selectee that is reluctant um, for all the reasons that we talk about on the podcast, uh, presumably. I mean, he doesn't get into a ton of detail, but he basically just said... Uh, he heard he listened to the not playing uh spin the yarn i did where i was i was freaking out about the the uh oh you could just be an e7 but not achieve and it's like like that's an answer to anything ever but uh he said so he's a senior chief currently has a select that they had to convince to go through the season which again not real that like i feel like some of these problems would be less of a problem if somebody somewhere for fuck's sake would just put out a policy document that says this is a mandatory training event thou shalt do the the following right which could just come from the co like a a training memorandum you know say like a lot of ships and commands do that where they put out like quarterly training memorandums saying thou shalt do the following um or like we as a unit will do the following or whatever um but yeah it's like this uh, just make it a lawful order like formally um, and that just deletes that that whole decision tree. You know what I mean? Like you will do it or you'll decline the promotion, which is another thing you can do. And that should be part of the policy document. Like, OK, if you don't want to do it, your options are this or go through the training event, like decline the promotion or go through the training event. So it kind of it, like it deletes this as even a, a point of contention or like a Uh, any type of crisis that that chiefs or selects are going to run into it's like a very clear path like you can do this or you can do this the end um but yeah it says this particular person has been a reluctant leader and has always excelled with the technical and professional capabilities uh and their main shortcoming if you can call it that is a deep distrust with the mess and the navy's leadership as a whole okay like it's kind of what we do here right like it's you got to say the truth out loud Um, this is the thing that I think like, this is like, you know, the meme where the kid, somebody sticks the the stick in the wheel of the bike and then they eat shit and then they're like, Oh, they blame somebody else. I feel like that's what the mess has been doing for a hundred years, you know? And I mean, babe, maybe back, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it was just way better. And then it's slowly degraded. There's no way for me to really know that. Um, Unless you know some like World War, post World War II uh, chiefs that are still alive and kicking and want to talk to me, that would be amazing. Um, but it's like we're just consistently like self sabotaging, eating shit, and then going, I don't know what 
happened. And so it's like, no, like say it out loud. Just admit it. Sailors don't trust chiefs. And they have very good reasons to not trust chiefs and the mess and et cetera, right? And it's not like you as an individual. You need to be able to detach that from the uniform that you wear because it's like you're assuming an identity when you put that uniform on, even though I don't think you should conflate being a chief with your actual personal identity. It's you're you're putting on a like a, a team uniform, like, like you're on a, a sports team or something. Like you're claiming membership in this organization but you're an individual component of it, like an individual representative. So when they have issues with a chief that they encountered in the past, they're gonna, you're gonna have to overcome the, the scar tissue, right? And that's what this is. Like this sailor has scar tissue and all chiefs have to overcome that for better or worse. Like that's why it's so important to be a good steward of this thing, of being a chief and, and the mess as a whole, because everything you do affects everything everyone else does, right? Every interaction you have with a sailor informs how that sailor will interact with any chief they ever encounter in the future, right? So uh, this sailor ha has some scar tissue, uh, deep distrust with the mess and the Navy's leadership as a whole. Um, <clears throat> after their decision to want to go through, which again, like the only decision is you're going to decline the promotion or you're going to go through. But uh, like, OK, like we're pretending that like and I'm not criticizing the senior chief. It's his command that that decides how this is going to be handled. So um, it, it's this is apparently how they were going to handle like that. The, the sailor gets a vote, I guess, um, performed well and with some expected reluctance. However, this first week, which because this email was a while back and I just kind of lost it in the shuffle. Uh, I responded to it last night, I think, um, finally, but then I'm doing this um, because I thought it was really interesting. I, I wish I would have done this sooner, but um, they hadn't gotten to what they what chiefs call shock and awe events. Right. So like uh, this is the stuff I've mentioned before. So like the meet the mess is kind of like the first. It's generally like like the first real mess event, because usually you'll have a couple of days of like a grace period. Sometimes it's only like one day. Sometimes it's the weekend. It depends on when results come out. It also depends on what command you're at. And I, and I found the more time that goes by the, these periods get s slightly longer. Like um, at my last command before I retired, the last season that I was actually around for, because I think it was I think it was going on as I retired. I can't remember because it's shifted around so much because of COVID and stuff. But now it's kind of back to a regular cycle. Um, the last one I was really around for they the CMC, which is like a dude I look up to and, and I think is the I, close to as close to the ideal uh, for a CMC as you could possibly be besides my boy, Eric, shout out to Eric. Um, it's he, he made it so that he's like, look, like today we're saying congratulations, shaking their hands, welcoming them, that kind of thing. And then they have the weekend to enjoy their family and just celebrate this achievement with their families. And then whatever day is meet the mess. And then that was like the first event. But it's it's very shocking in that meet the mess is usually like the first holy shit moment um, that the selects have because that's when they start like that's when we start creating this artificial divide that I don't think is productive at all. Um, 
and that's the kind of stuff that it what it does is it just like reinforces the issues that sailors like this and and really i think this exists in pretty much every e6 and below in the entire freaking navy um maybe 99.9 percent. there's probably some outliers those like super diggity dudes that are people that just like they knew in boot camp they wanted to be in the navy for 30 years kind of thing like th those people exist i don't know how but they do i wasn't even one of those guys i was getting out at every enlistment at every re-enlistment um but yeah it's like that i think every sailor has this in them where when when you do these things like w during the chief season there's a lot of um intentional pushing away of the selects like uh, uh, we're for what I, like i i i passionately vehemently disagree with this concept but there's a lot of like pushing the selects away and making them feel like they're not a part of the mess like they have to knock and request permission to enter and then when they enter they have to like report and um they wear their selectee name tags and carry the backpacks and do all these things where and, and i mean they even used to have to and some places i'm sure they're probably still doing it even though i don't think they should is like the they do this thing where you have to call like when you're only it's only when you're behind the closed door of the mess you have to do the uh you have to call each chief you say uh honorable chief and then you say i think it's and it varies mildly but it's like more honorable senior chief and then most honorable and exalted master chief and again slight variations in how they do that exactly depending on where you are but um it's it's absurd it's gross it's like the worst aspects of pride and just like it's it's stupid but the that that calling chiefs that the but holy right holistically that the idea that the first thing we do when selectees are selected right and which you need to kind of go in this with the context of they've already been selected by a board of master chiefs and senior chiefs and and senior chiefs have been sitting the seven board for like four years i think five years something like that i don't think they've been doing it for that long um <clears throat> but they've already been screened and selected and said like you're you will be a chief right like so there is no screening process happening but a lot of the way that the the initiation season is structured it's structured as though it is a screening process as though you're being selected like you're being they're they're grooming you to like enter the mess but if you're not worthy then you know you're going to be an e7 and not a chief which is a thing that for and some maddening reason still exists in our vernacular so <clears throat> when we do things like meet the mess or the trainings where they're just consistently being f like punched in the face metaphorically uh for everything they do no matter what they do it doesn't matter how good you do what you do or if you're correct or if you follow the instruction or whatever like it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it they're just going to invent reasons that you did it wrong and then face punch you and it's it it's maddening for the selects in particular because it doesn't make any fucking sense and they've already been selected 
Like they've already been told they're good enough. And then counterintuitively are being told that they're not good enough for six weeks. And then at the end, they want you to accomplish this symbolic moment of self-actualization that a lot of them treat like it's literal as and then be like i am worthy (laughs) like it's it's ridiculous like the whole thing is is it's such a waste of time and energy in its current revision um and the point i was trying to make took a long time for me to get here is that that behavior throughout the six-week season it, it only serves to throw gas on the fire of distrust that sailors like this have with leadership, right? Particularly with chiefs. All it does is confirm all of their suspicions and all of their prior experience about the mess. Makes a, makes them distrust us even more. And then you'll subsequently hear discussions during their first or second years or, or even beyond, depending on how much scar tissue there is. It, it, you'll hear conversations about how um, that chief like might not fit in or they don't buy in or um, they get ostracized because they're not playing ball with the organization and like basically just buying in because they still don't trust it. It's like I can I can confidently say I never fully trusted it at any point during my 11 years in the Chiefs mess. I had a healthy skepticism of all the things that were going on because I saw so much bullshit, right? Like I never felt like I was treated fairly. I never felt like we as an organization were truly bought in and focused on what I believe the mission to be. And I, I don't really see an argument against it, which is the people like the people are the mission. We take care of the people, the people take care of the mission. I, yeah, I never like I, I maybe and, and this might have been just some ignorance and and na- naivete or whatever, however you pronounce that word. Um, when I was a baby chief, but like on Carter, that's probably the closest I ever got to being fully bought in. But it's because that mess was as close as I ever got to to doing it right. I think that they actually did care about people and uh they actually did um, care about me and developing me as a leader and all that. So like I definitely had a kind of a warped idea of what the mess at large was and and confirming that suspicion was and I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before was when I was I went to shore duty. Right. And I try I, I got to be put in a position where I was kind of leading that mess most of the time. So I, I was able to kind of try to like reconstruct some of that culture uh on that shore duty at the a school but then when i went to my next submarine i was out in hawaii for a wedding and a couple of my buddies from that from carter were like dude we you we gotta get together not just because we want to see you but like we need to prepare you mentally for what you're going to walk into on a normal submarine because i was just going back to a fleet submarine a, a ballistic missile submarine and they're like you're not ready for this and i'm like what do you mean i'm a senior chief now i'm, I'm ready and it was the preparing me for what like Gen Pop was going to be like. They're like, dude, the mess on Carter was unique and special and not what you're going to encounter most likely uh, on, a, on a regular submarine. And it's like and they were right in a lot of ways. Um, and so it's like 
I can, throughout my career, I can, I can confidently say outside of that one experience for the almost my entire career, I never, I never fully trusted it. And it's because people give you reasons to, the organization gives you reasons to, the Navy gives you reasons to not trust it. Um, and I think that's our biggest problem. Like it'll never be perfect, but I mean, trust is the most important thing to, to this ever working to, to you being able to lead people. If they don't trust you, everything else is bullshit. Everything else is for not, um, this kid sounds like he doesn't trust chiefs and he probably has really good reasons to not trust chiefs, even though you could make the argument that he shouldn't or that she shouldn't not trust all chiefs just because they had negative experiences with one chiefs or with one chief <laughs> English. Um, but yeah, it's like it, it's, but it's also fair. Like it also makes a lot of sense, even though like we would love for every junior sailor to, um, to like be open-minded and give us all the benefit of the doubt because I'm not the same person as the, the last person you saw wearing these anchors. It's, it's completely fair that they're judging us that way. Um, so basically what I wanted to get into as well is like the question, the ask here, cause like there he's, he's like, I'm concerned about, uh, the sailor, not having encountered any of the shock and awe type stuff and that the trainings will inevitably devolve into shouting um, all the ways that he and his fellow sex failed and that he fears that this person will crumble and want to try to quit. Um, and then he says, my question for you is, what would you say to those selects that are not fully bought into the idea that they can have a bigger impact and better serve their sailors uh, from within the mess than to take a knee and coast until his separation, um, which I'm assuming this sailor in particular intends to separate. But for for everyone else's benefit, it really stops at uh, what would I say to the selects that are not fully bought in and the idea that they could have a bigger impact when they're actually in the mess and they can take care of their sailors and serve their sailors better from inside than outside, right? Um, what I would say is is that statement is correct, right? You can better serve your sailors, the Navy, all the things from within the mess, right? If, and I, I want to caveat this because I've talked so much about like how I, I see a lot of value in like high level technicians that if they wanted to be outside the mess, they could. And just that would be their ceiling for adding value to the Navy because that's where they want to be. But if you want to be a leader of sailors, the best place for you to be is the mess. And it's hard. It's a hard sell. Like saying that, it, like people will probably scoff, but it's still objectively true. I, I'm not even saying it should be objectively true. I think if, if I think there could be a, like a, a more of a delegation of powers in leadership positions. Like I think LPOs should be empowered to do a lot more than they are, but we are where we are. And if you want to to lead sailors, if you want to have the biggest impact you can in a positive way on your on junior enlisted and even junior officers, the mess is the only place to do it. Um, that being said, when you're trying to to get through to a sailor like this that 
has reservations for whatever reason, valid or not, which I think most of the time they're valid. I think they're always valid, even like some sailor might have the issues for a reason that I, I would argue against, but there still are valid reasons that will exist regardless. Um, so uh, what I would say is like, you have to say the quiet part out loud. Like you have to be truthful about it. Like I, when I responded to the email, I was like, honesty is the best policy, man, because these, the, the conversation I have nowadays is, is this generation of sailors that are ascending into the mess, like this class or the last few of, of new chiefs that are, are ascending into the mess are so much smarter than us. Um, so much more aware of not just like the leadership development and education being so important, the resources that exist out there, how to leverage them. They're just, they have such a, a high level of knowledge, but they're also just have this awareness of what's going on and they can smell the bullshit a mile away. So if you come at them with the party line, if you come at them with the, uh, the like bumper sticker t-shirt version of the chief's mess, as if that's somehow reality or that like we're somehow meeting the ideal and that it's a good thing. Yeah, you know I mean, if you just pretend everything's fine, <laughs> that's just going to compound the casualty like that. All that's going to do is like confirm their suspicions in the first place. It's like, yep, it's all bullshit. Like they won't even have the conversation with, with me when I'm selected to join them. So I think you have to have an open and frank dialogue with all these selects about all of the uh, flaws, like all of the issues. You got to air the dirty laundry and, and own all of it and just explain it to them. You know, like it's a human organization. Like all of the people that comprise it are, are flawed and perfect human beings with woefully incomplete leadership development and education like they are doing a job they are largely unqualified to do most i would say almost entirely by no fault of their own like mostly by no fault of their own because the organization doesn't do anything meaningful to prepare them for it historically anyway they're trying there's new resources out there um and it's like no wonder you know, like if, if you're willing to have those conversations about all the deficiencies and you're willing to admit out loud that leadership competent incompetence is a real thing and that the organization doesn't prepare people for the roles that they're in, which is why they struggle so mightily. It doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them unprepared. And some of them, I would argue organizationally, like most of them are ignorant of the fact that they're unprepared. Right. They're not even aware of the the low level that they're operating at because they assume when the organization reinforces their behavior with promotions, good evals, awards, all that stuff, that they're doing a really good job. So it's like, of course, they're a leadership expert. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's it's. It's a really weird negative feedback loop you know like it's a really weird where it's like it exists and it's doing harm but a lot of people don't even know that it, it, it exists it's like the it's like kaiser sose man it's like 
the best trick the devil ever pulled was convincing everyone that he didn't exist, right? Like it's and and the chiefs I think most of them know something's wrong but are unwilling to say it out loud because they fear the reprisal of the organization. Um, I don't think there's a way to get this done without being honest about it, without being willing to sit down and have the conversation with your selects about what the chief's mess really is, um, what the, what the issues are, uh, how to navigate those things. And that, yeah, I mean, just like the entire average of a decade that you spent scraping and clawing your way here, you're going to spend the next average of a decade scraping and clawing your way through the mess and the experience of being a chief. Um, it's not going to be perfect. You're not. It's not this magic carpet ride where you can just pick up the phone and call the homies and we just make all the problems melt away and uh, you're sitting in the mess drinking your coffee and going home at 3 p.m. It's just not that like it's you're still struggling just as hard. You're just doing it in different ways. Um, a lot of it happens behind a closed door. So then your sailors don't see it. And so they don't perceive you to be working as hard as them. And that's another burden you get to shoulder. <laughs> like it's you're you're um, you're very alone in a lot of ways, but then you do have an organization of people that are suffering through the same adversity that you can rely on, that you can lean on, that you can ask for help and you should ask for help. Um, but it is, it is imperfect. Um, it is flawed. It is dysfunctional. It is everything that every human organization that's ever existed is. And when you break it down into subunits, right. And you're on your ship, the culture of that mess is it can be incredible. You'll probably encounter one that's operating at a high level at some point, whether you're a part of it or you just interact with it. Um, it it's possible. They, they're out there. There are high functioning messes that do a great job and they still have their warts. Right. But it, it's kind of like I know a lot of this seems it feels obvious as I'm saying it, but it's like. It, human organizations are imperfect by definition. That's just how this works. So you have to be willing to admit that out loud and stop pretending that we're some leadership ideal. Stop pretending we're the backbone of the Navy and results, not excuses and all that shit. It's like <sighs> it's not real. It's just somebody decided to make pride stuff because they thought being a chief was cool. And it is. It can be incredible. It can be magical. Like you can do some really just like there's stuff I look back at that blows my mind. The impact I was able to have on people, the positive force I was able to be in people's lives because I was in that organization. and I was wearing those anchors because within the organizational structure, I have unique powers and abilities and influence. Right. And, and I get to use that for good. Right. If I know how. If I have the tools to do that, right, or whether ignorantly or on purpose, you can use it to do harm. Um, so it's it's really important to have these conversations with these selects and just make them understand the potential. 
both negative and positive. Make them understand the reality of what this organization is. But the way you would sell them on it is the capacity for good, the opportunity to do good, which even though you're operating within an organizational structure and a lot of the things that you're going to try to do, you're going to need other chiefs to get it done. A, a lot of it can be done by an individual, right? Like you can decide that you're going to wield the influence trusted in you by the organization to, to do just the maximum amount of good you can positively do or you can possibly do in a positive way for sailors. And it's like you get to decide what that looks like. You get to decide how you interact with these people on a daily basis. You get to decide how you treat them. You get to decide. There's a lot of things that that deeply impact the day to day experience of junior enlisted sailors in the Navy that are unilaterally controlled by chiefs. You get to be the person that's in control of those levers so you can use them in good and bad ways. And sometimes like what you're going to need to do is not going to be popular. But if you do it all right or as close to right as possible, uh, consistently, sometimes when you pull those levers and it's going to cause pain, it's like you're drawing on the goodwill of all the things you've done up to that point. And so the sailors don't hold it against you. They're just like, yeah, we know this is going to suck. But like every person wearing a uniform knows they signed up for suck. Like they know they signed up for a really hard job that's going to be stressful. And they know they're going to have to put their back into it sometimes. So if you take care of them on a regular basis, when you need to pull that, I need a little bit extra. It's going to be a long day. You know, we need to do this really hard thing for a little while to get the mission done. When you pull that lever, it's not going to cost you much, if anything. Right. Because those sailors trust you. They believe you have their best interests at heart and they ha- you have the goodwill to be able to pull that lever without a ton of negative consequences. Um, yeah, the answer is be honest. The answer is um, the way that you convince them to buy in is the potential for good, the potential impact that they could have, especially when they're good leaders, like when they're the good ones, you know, like, and I get the impression that this kid is, is one of the good ones. It's like when they're like the, the uniquely good ones where you just look at them and you can see the potential chief that they have in them. And you're just like, Oh God, this kid has to, you have to, you have to do this, man, because you'll be so goddamn good at it. And it's like like and, and the the individual still has to make a decision, right? Like you're not going to win them all. Uh, some of these some of these people are going to decide it's just time to go home. That's what I did at the end of my career. I had people looking at me like that going, dude, you have to be a cop. You're going to be so good at it. Like that crew is going to love you. And it's like I would I would love that. And I would I would love for that to be true and i would love to experience that but also i needed to go home for me like i didn't have the juice to do that i I didn't have it in me i was falling apart (laughs) it's like and i'm still picking up the pieces so it's like you some people are going to go home anyway because they need to not everybody's built for a 30-year career um but that doesn't mean you shouldn't explain all these things to them 
you give them all it just like a chief does for a CEO. You give them all the best information that you possibly can to prepare them to make the best decision they they can for themselves or in the case of a CEO, like for the crew and the mission. Um, but yeah, just be honest with them. And the the selling point, while you you relay it in the context of all the information, right, like all the negatives and the positives, the win, if the sailor really wants to lead people, the the thing that's going to tug on their heartstrings is the capacity to do good and use examples like that's like on the I I don't know if it was. I think the it was maybe the dichotomy episode. I don't remember which one I, I was showing my charge book, all the mementos, all the examples of all the things that have happened. And I just have stacks on stacks of these things, not just from the podcast, but from me actually being a chief. And that's most of what's in my charge book. And it's like, you can show them like, I, I, you don't have to just believe my words. Like I can hand them my charge book and walk away and I'll come back and they'll have that understanding of the of the opportunity they have to do just a preposterous amount of good right you have the ability to do some incredible things so yeah man i like i just think that it like one you know it's not a decision to participate or not like it's mandatory training event but that's not really the point the point is when you're trying to get somebody to buy in because even if you tell them it's a mandatory training event and you just like force them to go through it, that doesn't mean they're going to give a shit. That doesn't mean they're going to be switched on and engaging in the process. And that's what we want for better or worse, by the way. Um, and I think I discussed this recently, too. It's like you want them bought in and engaged in the process. That doesn't mean the process is going to be all productive, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Um you need them engaged and bought into the process so that they can learn from it, so that they remember it, so that they can analyze it and decide on the other end of it what was positive and what was negative, what was good and what was bad, right? Um, and provide feedback on how we could do better. And then they have, like your experience as a select is, a, is going to inform every experience you ever have as a chief when being one of the facilitators of the initiation process, which I hope we rename. Um, it's you need to you need to be paying attention so that you remember as much of it as you can. You, you should. I would encourage you. You should be taking notes and writing stuff down and journaling well in your charge book so that you can look back on all these things for context later and it can inform how you like move through that process in the future and how you influence it and how you uh, engage in positively changing it. Right. We, we want it to evolve. It needs to evolve. You're supposed to be better than the last generation of chiefs. That's the point. That's what lessons learned and experience and all this stuff is all about. Right. So, and this is something I've been, uh, I've been talking about, recently and Damo mentions on the episode that I'm struggling through editing it's like we don't want you to try to warp yourself to fit in some type of chiefly mold right we want you full stop we want you to come into the mess 
and bring everything that you have with you and apply it to being a chief and help push push it all forward, help inform and educate and evolve this process, this organization, everything and move it forward. Right. Like if we just continually like if you're just in an echo chamber and you're just continually doing the same crap, which I think the chief's is guilty of to a large degree, which is why we have a lot of the problems that we have is like we're just stuck in the mud. You know, like we're stuck in this steady state of a version that doesn't work. Right. And so we don't need you to change who you are to fit into the mess, which is what it's going to feel like a lot of the times that it, that they're trying to accomplish during the season and beyond. Right. But we need you to come into the mess and make it better. That's the whole thing, because if I did my job right over that average of probably 10 years for you to get to that point, I've been preparing you the entire time for the chief part and to be better than me so that when you get there, it's just you coming into the mess and and sharing all that with us and making us better by just the addition of you wearing acres. You should not be trying to like warp yourself or like fake it till you make it or any of that bullshit. You should not have to do that. You should already be largely prepared. If you're not, remediate that. Everybody's got weak areas. Use this podcast, use all the other podcasts, use books, use uh, the courses, go to NLKLD, go to all the things, right? But like come as you are, right? And, and another thing that I've, I've been thinking about recently in having these conversations with a lot of different people about their willing, their willingness to like accept the mess, right? Which is a weird thing to say. It, it, like you're a lot of people view acceptance through the, the lens of the mess is accepting you one. And I've debunked that <laughs> in the acceptance episode of teaching the creed and a bunch of others about how it's a, it's a symbolic moment of self-actualization, right? But it is more about you accepting us than it ever ever is about us accepting you, right? Again, literally, because you've already been selected, we already told you you were good enough to be a chief, so there's no acceptance needed. But also, when you think about how the whole process works and you think about where a selectee comes from and the process and all the things we just talked about, right? All of them have some level of angst and distrust towards the mess, right? So it's at the end, it's about you deciding to accept us as we are and accept that you're going to be a part of and and accept navigating through this imperfect flawed organization comprised of imperfect flawed human beings right you meet us where we are right and that's really important because we talk about as leaders you need to meet the people you're trying to lead where they are and then try to uh bring them towards where they need to be right but you can't just say like this is the bar get there like that's not ever going to work you need to meet them where they are and then you need to do all the things to prepare them give them the tools and understanding and and build the trust and authentically communicate and all the things and bring them towards where we need to be but we always meet them where they are so if that's the case 
where where as a leader where my wherever my junior sailors are right even if they're the ostracized ship bag that everybody hates right i don't care they're mine i'm going to meet them where they are and i'm going to bring them to their ceiling if i can right if that's what i'm doing with them why would that not be what i'm going to do with an organization like the chiefs mess should we be better and should we have higher? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I'm with you. Um, I think that the chief Smith should be striving for a lot of the, the ideal that people have in their head. And I don't think we're doing that in the ways that we should be, but we are where we are. You can affect a, a just asinine amount of good inside the mess that you can't always outside of the mess. You'll make the mess better by being a part of it just as you are. So why would you not be willing to accept us exactly how we are? You got to meet us where we are. And then when you accept us, you can then start affecting all the change that you've wanted to see throughout that first 10-ish years of your career, right? All the things you said about when I'm a chief, I'm going to do this. Or my chief's an idiot, why don't they do that? Or I can't believe the chief smith does this bullshit. Or why is initiation this way? Or any of the other things that you are so critical of. It's an opportunity for you to change it. Right? Like, I always hated on boats when uh, people would have the, the door to the mess closed. And then sailors would have to knock on it. It's really intimidating. It's a barrier to entry. It's a barrier to them communicating with their chiefs to telling them things. I remember being scared shitless, standing outside the door of the mess, having to knock on it to like find my chief, right? It's intimidating. If I had been a cop on a submarine, I would have took that fucking door off the hinges. Who's going to stop me? There wouldn't have been a chief's table either. Like chiefs would have just had to get in line with Gen Pop and eat unless they were an oncoming watch sander, right? There's no five minutes early for the meal. Fuck you. Leaders eat last. So if you're not oncoming, get out of the way and let all these enlisted kids eat. The oncoming watch sanders and then all the offgoing people that have been doing the damn thing for eight hours, right? Like you're not special. You don't get your own table. Like, no, sit down and, and eat with your sailors. Get to know them. Build trust, authentically communicate all the things, right? Like, and it wouldn't probably wouldn't have been popular, but it would have been it would have been what happened. <laughs> and so like that's the kind of thing that I would have done differently in that position had I stuck around. Right. You can do things like that. I mean, like that in particular, you'd have to stick around like 20 years, probably. But like you, you, know, you see my point, like when you're in the mess, you're in a position to do the things when you're in those roles as chiefs, you're in a position to do it differently, to do it better than the chief that you saw do it that probably so negatively impacted your experience or the experiences of your friends or both right so yeah uh i'm gonna stop there <laughs> uh i think that answers the question um i mean i hope it does uh if it doesn't hit me up don't give up podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message us don't give up the ship podcast or you can dm me on instagram reddit or discord at digas podcast 
you want to support us, you can go to dguestpodcast.com. There's a donate button on the upper hand corner of the website. Or you can go to Don't Come Up to Ship Apparel. It's dgutsapparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride of heritage gear. You'll actually wear in public. There's stickers and bags, and there's even shower shoes for submariners. <laughs> All kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, so check that out, dgutsapparel.com. And then you can go to patreon.com slash dgutspodcast. Pick one of the five tiers and become a member today. It helps us a ton paying the bills and expanding the platform. Um, if you can't spend any money, which I totally understand, uh, you can just support us by listening. You can support us by liking, sharing, subscribing, reviewing on all the platforms for all the things. Subscribe on YouTube, share the videos, share the podcast, tag your friends on social media posts, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, whatever. Whatever your thing is, <laughs> it all helps. It all helps get the message out to the people that need it. Uh, and we really appreciate whatever you can do. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't give up the ship. <laughs>